Patris et Fidi, Espiritu Sancti, Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus nunc, et in mortis nostre, Amen. Nomine Patris et Fidi, Espiritu Sancti, Amen. Brethren Christ, laude tu Jesus Christus. In secula. In secula. This is Timothy Flanders with the Meaning of Catholic. You are listening or watching to the Terror of Demons morning show, Jesus is King, together with co-hosts Kennedy Hall and Jeremiah Bannister. How y'all doing? Good. Really tired. Good. <laughs> I'm tired. I blame Anthony Rodriguez in the comment section. <laughs> I blame him right away. I see him in there. He's got his coffee. He's got his coffee emojis. Anthony, only- thank you for getting up Jeremiah so he can join us. Appreciate that. Yeah. Kennedy, how are you? I'm blaming uh, him for me being tired, not for being awake. Kennedy <laughs> is in his new mansion because ah. uh, oh. he makes so much money. Uh, and he Catholic just moved to make tons of money. Yeah. A huge. <laughs> so tell us about your move, Kennedy. We moved. We moved Friday. I live in uh, one stoplight town. I'll, I'll give you a hint. It's somewhere uh, in southwestern Ontario, which is about the size of Western Europe. So um, <laughs> that, that whittles it down. Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing. We're five minutes from one of the one of the Great Lakes. Um, and uh, that's excellent. It's, it's just great. We just we I'm tired. We we uh, we didn't hire anybody. Like. I know I just until I'm like, I don't I don't want to ever move again, but I could see myself if I was 55 or something and I had to move. I maybe hire somebody, but just getting some buddies and and, and huffing it for 10 hours and just get it done and save like three thousand dollars. There was no way I was going to hire anybody. And uh, <clears throat> so we did it and it's the best. And uh, the neighborhood's amazing. The people are amazing. It's definitely not the city. And I'm happy about that. That's awesome. Now, can you tell, give us any insight? Because there's a lot of Catholic families considering moving to other states of the Union or other countries or whatever. Uh, so what went into, if you can share it all, what went into the whole yeah. family decision uh, with that? How did you work it out? Can you share it all about that? With what well, we thought about for a long time, you know, it's it's a. Uh... Prayer and discernment is 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 is, is half, uh, or I guess it's hundred percent a, a, a prayerful thing, and it's hundred percent a very just prudential, thoughtful thing. You got to weigh pros and cons, like anything in life. So we thought about where we wanted to go. We thought about moving to the United States. Um, I even tried to get visas. Uh, we we thought about moving to different provinces. We just, we weighed a lot of different odds. And to be honest, it was uh, one of our priests did a really good sermon. We weren't even there for that sermon, but people told us about it after we read a different mass. And um, he just basically said, you know, with the times being what they are, everything's in flux and everything's a little bit nuts. He says, 
the uh, last thing you want to do is be far away from the sacraments. That's just what you need, you know. So no matter where you're living, you're going to have to be close to sacraments. Um, so we are one hour from our uh, from our, from from our SSPX chapel, uh, which has daily mass and all that kind of stuff. We didn't go to daily mass before all the time anyway. Just doesn't always work with we do maybe once or twice a week uh, outside of Sunday. So we're not really worried about that. <clears throat> but we're close to friends um, who go to the chapel. We're close to um, uh, like we're close enough to the city that we can be there in a half an hour if we need something. And we're far enough away that we also we picked an area where uh, there'll probably never be any development because it's all very lucrative farmland that's still being farmed. So the idea, the, the, the likelihood of it being a uh, subdivision won't happen. Plus it's farm, it's farmland that goes towards feeding cattle and stuff like that. So it's not like uh, it's not like kitschy homestead stuff. It's actual useful agro stuff uh, for the industries. And um, last thing we prayed a novena and we had uh, we prayed a novena to St. Anne. I don't know if St. Anne is supposed to be for, for houses, but someone told us to do one for uh for her feast day back in the summer and two of them got answered two of the requests one was a dog and one was our we always said was we want a resolution to our housing situation because we were like whatever god god's will might be that we stay where we are and an epic new catholic family neighbor moves in or something and there you go there's a resolution to your situation for us it was to move so so that would that's what i would say excellent yeah, we've we've been we've thought about it too. Uh, we're in kind of the outskirts of the city, but still sort of a a, a neighborhood block, basically. With like a, with a, I mean, we're still in the city limits. We still have a sidewalk, um, but it's a very quiet neighborhood, so we really like it. And there's a ton of Catholics in our neighborhood too. You you walk around the neighborhood, there's just Mary statues everywhere, and so that's nice. Uh, so it's a really good neighborhood. Even though I love the country and I and I want to be in the country because it's even more quiet, uh, there's more stars, uh, all sorts of good stuff. It's just more conducive to to you know prayer life basically. But um, but I've sort of sort of idealized the the country life and the farm life. But I wonder if God maybe wants us to stay here and build a community. I don't know. But um, who knows? That's good, Jeremiah. What's happening with you? Yeah. Richard says, great show on R&T. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it, was, it was an awesome <laughs> show, if I could say so, right? Rumors out. Rumors out. It was mm -hmm. good. Um, no, I've been, I've been staying busy. Last week, I uh, sent you an article that you published. And I was very grateful for that. I always am. I'm always biting my nails a little bit. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if he's going to like this one. But no, but you shared it. And, and I'm really happy about that. Actually, it's kind of plays into the theme actually of today and and then yes i i filled in as a guest host over at reason and theology and it went so well and i'd already talked to to mr lofton a, a couple times but we talked on the phone that day and he proposed the idea that i do once a week over there and i agreed and so I'll still do, of course, the two here. This is my home, man. <laughs> this is like, this is the landing page. This is like my favorite place. The paleocrat empire is expanding. It's expanding, man. It's going all <laughs> over the place. Uh, and so, but no, it, it was really good. It was really fun. It's an awesome, I, I, I'll say this, man. That comment section over there is bumping. Like, it's kind of hard to keep up with. Because <laughs> it just goes, do, 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 do. It's, it's like the Wolfpack chat. It just doesn't stop. 
And so that was a lot of fun. And we haven't figured out the logistics, like what day of the week that will be or what time of the day it will be. Um, but yeah, there will be one day a week added to the Wednesday and Friday that I've, I'm doing here, as well as the Mondays where I'm somehow magically waking up. <laughs> somehow anthony rodriguez did it to you yeah he did it too. thanks anthony yeah it thank you anthony yeah so he, he's the mod by the way over at the Wolfpack chat so Sweet. he's he's my buddy but uh but that's so yeah that's what's been going on man keeping busy right on right on well yeah kennedy you also had a, a an article on one peter five last week i think that's an article we should all just have a, a whole show on uh to discuss because there's a lot to go into there, I think. Uh, liberty versus liberalism, a huge topic. Um, you want to say any words on that, or we'll say well, it later? Well, that's fine. Your title, we, maybe, maybe we can do a... That's actually something I've been considering right now, is uh, I've been... Oh, this is a big one, but I've been taking a look at libertarianism. I know, I know, I know that makes me, uh, you no, know, it's not good. I know, it <laughs> Don't do it. What I mean is I've just been <laughs> investigating. I've, I've I've never actually investigated any of the actual writings of any of the founders. So I've just started reading them thinking, okay, I should probably know what this is about. Because I think I think guys like Tom Woods are pretty smart on a lot of things. I'm like, well, he's not an idiot. Anyway, oh, oh, I know. And I like no, Jeffrey Tucker. No, no, I like Jeffrey Tucker. Uh, he writes. Do you know who Jeffrey Tucker is? Oh, yes. he, he used uh, yeah. to be the editor of the new liturgical movement um mm -hmm. but it, his major work is actually in just economics anyway i've been reading his stuff on lockdown stuff because he's just got a really great institute that just just deals with uh that sort of thing it's just been very fascinating work so i've been reading it all and um it's made me think about um what is liberty liberalism is obviously a sin that's not what I'm, I'm not advocating that at all but you had the right title for it tim with liberalism is a sin but liberty is godly and uh what is liberty chesterton calls himself a liberal what do we do about that so i've just had to look at a lot of these things and try to make sense of it and i had some fun with the article so it's it's something going around in my mind right now trying to figure out i'm I gonna propose, have to reshare I, tim i'm I gonna propose, have to i propose next week we have uh, liberty versus liberalism huh Sure. I, I wrote an article years ago when I was at Distributist Review, and I think it was called uh, A Settled Controversy, because uh, uh, Tom Woods Jr. is mm -hmm. of the persuasion, just flat out, that the popes have gone over their authority to even opine on the economy. Um, it's a crazy stunt he does, and it's super scandalous because the Pope specifically address folks who talk like that. And they call them ungrateful children of the church. They, they have nothing nice to say about, about Catholics who dare to talk that way. Uh, and he most certainly does. He doesn't just dare. He makes a living out of it. And I, I've actually, I've had email correspondences back, well, back when YouTube had messages. So that's how old it is. People were, people were <laughs> yeah, Jeremiah is, is an old school YouTuber. Yeah. I don't know. He, he was like uh, back when 2000 subs was like the number one. Dude, you, if you had, had 2000 two, subs when 2000 subs was the number one, that's how I, big I, he I, is. I had five, I had like 5,000 subs. If I, if you had back then, if you had 1500 to 2000 views, then you were like number one in that category. And everyone was like, bro, this guy's dope. <laughs> it was just nobody else, you know, it was this small little community. But it was cool because you could you could engage with different folks. And he was I had an email correspondence with him. It's like they had YouTube DM. Right. So you could you could converse with people. And I had gone back and forth with him. And I wrote a number of things, including one against Jeffrey against Jeffrey Tucker and libertarianism. These were guys 
They were the bane of my existence <laughs> for, for years of my life. I wouldn't say they're the bane anymore, right? I, I kind of, I mellowed out. But at the same time, I would say I, <laughs> I have deeply rooted disagreements with them. So and I know it, I know it'll be fun. <laughs> this would be good because yeah. I, yeah. I, I also, uh, I have tried to give the libertarian Acton University, everybody, the best possible hearing possible. I, I, I've attended Acton University. I've read Tom Wood's book. I've read um, all sorts of their works. And I've tried to give them the best possible hearing. And I finally came out swinging in my latest book against. Uh, but giving them, conceding as much as I possibly could to them. Because I think there is a lot of good talking about the free market and business and stuff like that. It's all really, really good. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, anyway. I'll tell you what the, one of the watershed moments for myself has been though, is <clears throat> it wasn't, um, again, I'm just exploring this stuff because I've always loved Thomas soul. I think Thomas soul is great. Yeah. And, uh, apparently all these guys think Thomas soul is amazing as well. And I thought, okay, well that's that to me, that was, uh, uh I was trying to find people who would talk about politics and economics who would actually advocate for the Thomas soul approach to thing, which personally is just one of my favorites. I just, I love his work. I think he's just eminently reasoned and commonsensical and stuff. And in a way, kind of Chestertonian, where he just sort of looks at things very plainly and is very, uh, has great wit about things. That's why I love Thomas Sowell. So that was, I said, okay, these guys all think Thomas Sowell is really great too. What does that mean? So I just, anyway, I'm just looking at it. But um, one of the things that I'm trying to figure out is, <clears throat> you know, in my heart, sorry, there's a fly in here, uh, in my heart of hearts, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I want like St. Louis the so-and-so to come on a white horse and, and, you know, I want Christendom. I want like integralist, you know, happiness, obviously, you know, on the one hand, but on the other hand, <clears throat> I have to recognize that I live in uh, the vestige of a terrible Marxist revolutionary state. So it became a matter of practicality of, okay, what are tools? What's an approach what basically the revolution has already happened. So now what do I do? Uh, it would be nice if I could have, uh, you know, society X, Y, and Z that jives with, you know, something that I would see in Christendom, but it's a pipe dream to think that's ever going to happen in my lifetime, aside from some sort of divine intervention, which I'm all for, and that'd be great. Um, it was more of a practical thing. Okay. So how can I get Trudeau off my back more? How can I get these, you know, because I'm living, guys, I'm living in lockdown nonsense still. I mean, I'm vaccine yeah, passports yeah. and all this kind of stuff. So this idea of, okay, uh, and in fairness to the guys like Rothbard, and, I've, you know, he's got some problems, but I'm reading. And um, the, the critique that he has mainly of the kings and stuff is really of the divine right of kings, is the Protestant error of, of kingship. So it's just, it's something that I'm kind of exploring right now. And, um, and uh the only dogma I believe in is the Catholic faith, but there are just ideas that I, I'm, I'm playing with right now. Excellent. Well, uh, Kennedy, you want to do that next week? Sure. Sweet. All right. Well, stay stay tuned for the brouhaha next yeah. week. One week from today, liberty versus liberalism. That'll be fun. But today is a wonderful, great feast day. We've entered the, the month of November. Just side note, as many people always ask, the music to begin this was my own jam uh not the devil music but no. uh <laughs> oh, no. i knew it was coming man uh, oh, no, yeah. see jeremiah gets to bump all his devil music over r and t 
that's a joke. That's a joke. Uh, <clears throat> it's but, kind of a joke to Tim. <laughs> Read his book. You'll find out. <laughs> but, or watch uh, his videos. <laughs> yeah, so Vivaldi, Leitatu Sum, got us started this morning. And today is the great feast of all saints. It's a holy day of obligation in most places. Check your diocese if you are obliged to attend the holy sacrifice today. Um, if your bishop didn't absolve you. But it's a holy day of opportunity nonetheless, even if your bishop did absolve you. Uh, wonderful, wonderful feast day. Uh, we've got, so we're talking about saints. We're just going to celebrate. This is a great day today. We got all saints. We got all souls tomorrow. Make sure that you gain a plenary indulgence this month. I was just looking up at the conditions because typically it is the visit of a cemetery. I'm, I'm going to look them up. I'll get all the details for you in just a few minutes because I didn't have it ready, but, um, Let's see what else is what else is on the on the schedule. So this this week we'll do a uh, patron only show live Q and A, talking about whatever you want to. We're also launching further uh, aspects of the meaning of Catholic guild, uh, which we'll announce tomorrow. And my book is coming, God willing, by Martin Mass, which will be next week, November eleven. We also have a very fun show. I'm really excited for this. Thursday, we have Father Christian Caps talking about St. Gregory Palamas <clears throat> and Palamism. This is a topic that is rather controversial to some, and uh, it'll be very interesting to get into some of these details. St. Gregory Palamas is a, an Eastern saint who has been incorporated to some degree into ca the Catholic Church via Eastern Catholicism. So we'll be talking about his doctrines and everything. Um, before we get into saints, Father Caps, Father Caps, yes, who is what's his? Um, I've seen him on your show. Is he a professor or is he a Byzantine priest or something? What's his? Uh, so he his is background? a Byzantine Catholic priest and he is the dean of the Byzantine Catholic Seminary of St. Cyril Methodius in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay, cool. So they serve various eparchies of Eastern Catholic churches. I'm not sure how many or if. Uh, I'm not sure if there's other Eastern Catholic seminaries in the United States or in North America. Um, I'm not familiar, but um, my familiarity is mainly with Eastern Orthodoxy, not with Eastern Catholicism. But um, mm -hmm. so, yeah, Father Caps, this Thursday, that'll be uh, an excellent uh, discussion because Father Caps is a genius. So yeah, looking forward to uh, talking to him. So, uh, Kennedy and Jeremiah, any uh, things coming from y'all this week? Uh, first, my first uh, at LifeSite, I've got my first um, uh, long form interview with some Canadian politicians coming out. I took a trip to uh, a pro-life conservative party. Actually, she's a traditional Catholic and he's a Greek Orthodox. <laughs> and um, so we uh, have an interesting uh, video coming out for that. So check that out when it comes out. Sweet. Jeremiah, yeah. you still yeah. on uh, Father Lassance's? guides well i just I, yeah i've just started with it and i had but i had two interviews and uh and both of them both of them caused me enormous amounts of trouble man like i i i have to publish both of them independently apart from in fact i'll probably just do that with every interview i do because i like playing it on the show but for some reason i had i had issues with the downloading and everything it, all internal don't need to worry about it but but played them on the show still figured out a way uh, even with one day being like a half an hour late just to make sure I could just figure out how to do this. And I did it successfully. So there'll be some uploads that are not live. I might still premiere them 
coordinate with the uh, coordinate with the guys that I interviewed and and do that. I also we started over at the Wolfpack chat. We have a prayer. We have a prayer club or a prayer chain. We have a book club, uh, a resource page. But the book club is starting um, uh, interior castle. So we just started that. And we're going to be going through the first the first uh, meeting we're going to have that we have it all laid out with a meeting, a moderator, all that stuff, uh, live chat on Telegram. So everybody can be part of that conversation at the same time. Uh, that's going to be, I believe, within the next couple of weeks. And we're going to talk about the first three chapters of that book. And then I'm starting the the series on um, Father Lassant's his uh, manuals for young men and young women. And I'm trying to figure out how to blend them because I don't. I don't want to do it like it's where one show is about the young man and one show is about the young women. I, I'd rather have some be able to fuse them together. So I'm going to take some fancy footwork from your boy, but I know I'll do it. <laughs> I'll be able to do it. And so, but that's, that is the, that's the agenda is to go through that, that book with that series and try to make it applicable, not just because when people hear that, they might think, well, I'm not a young man or I'm not a parent. I want to be able to, to make it so that it's applicable to everybody because father lasans his idea as well as uh as well as which pope was it that wrote about it um they have it normally at the beginning of every single one of his guides and stuff saying like the pope you know promotes this and wishes for all people to <laughs> to read this everywhere uh basically that it's for it's for people throughout their lives so you may learn this as a young girl you may learn this as a young man but these are lessons that if you're 18 if you're 38 if you're 78 you could still you should still be carrying around the manual that your dad gave you right and you should still be frequenting that because it's an amazing amazing book so that's what we're doing yeah that that the text is phenomenal it's the perfect gift for your godchild i think yeah um yeah. i the only place that i can get it is keith keith catholic books in minnesota I think uh, that's the group that made these ones, but I, you can buy them here in town. I can buy them at, I, I bought this one here at the Angeles bookstore and no, it is not connected to the society Kennedy. <laughs> People are like, Oh, the Angeles, you got it from there. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> As I have a question about that though. If, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. if uh, someone at church Milton uses an Angeles press missile, is that remote material cooperation with schism? <laughs> <laughs> I, I gave somebody a grumpy face yesterday in the chat because they're like, Hey man, check out my missile. And it, and it was, I have this, we have the same ones. And I sat there and I put a grumpy face. I'm like, what's that all about? <laughs> I said, ask Kennedy. He would know. <laughs> so, yeah, but in terms of ordering the, the father Lassant's um, young. So if you don't know what father Lassant's young men and young girls guide, they are yeah, yeah. the probably, probably one of the best, texts for young catholics out there in modern times i'd say number yeah. one two or three at least top three um and the only place that i've been able to get this to actually order it like if you don't if your local bookstore doesn't have it or something like that to actually order it you have to email yeah. this local okay they're they're uh jeremiah show that up to the and, screen yeah jeremiah has the um it's keeves wait how do i do my yeah <laughs> right there Oh yeah, now they're all gone. Bye guys. <laughs> Are they still here? Or did they literally just vanish? I'm in the show. Everyone can see and hear me. Now I'm they're back. back. 
<laughs> he's back okay what's going on buddy how you doing Living <laughs> just the, the two of us now uh, tim's back there he's like where am i come on now there's tim <laughs> oh, look okay. at the confusion here so yeah, but no, right there, gifts, yeah. um, there we go you actually have yeah. to you have to email them um and they're at keith's cat i'm gonna put it in the chat <laughs> yeah <laughs> catholic gifts dot yeah. gmail.com gotta email them and say hey i'd like uh father lasance and then you you send them a check and you get these uh but it's 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 like this is the the gemstone that is worth every penny and every whatever you need this this I, is I such think, an awesome text i think that it's part of the book uh the the book collection that uh, was being referred to here by Pius the 11th right here his holiness pope Pius the 11th wishes that these volumes which assuredly will promote the spiritual life may receive an ever increasing welcome in all your in all the christian families of your great country uh i i have a really good reading and everything of this in the front of the blessed sacrament prayer book that my son's sponsor gave to him at his confirmation my son athanasius and uh, but I believe that it applies to to I think the books for the young men and young women are part of that. And I think it's in front of the young men. And I'll say this real quick about the young men, the, the young men one is um, because he has in there kind of like a lot of books by like St. Alphonsus, where the mm -hmm. end of the book has different retreats you can do and, you know, different uh, methods of hearing mass and stuff like that. Uh, that it's the same thing in the back of the books with with this and and in the young men's edition there is a method father the lasance's method of hearing mass and it's an indulgenced method every prayer yeah is indulgenced and it's just it's people joked with me yesterday they're like well you say you don't always read the missile and i'm like no i said i have a multiple <laughs> methods of hearing mass in missiles in mis in old missiles right i'm like i'm actually trad <laughs> like I'm, missiles, I'm are, missiles trad. are a modern invention bro they are i'm like i'm like how do you think people prayed they're like dude come on bro and i'm like how do you think people prayed poor suckers before gutenberg right so i'm like uh, <laughs> and even, even after that but if you go through the indulgenced prayers that he puts forward there and the way that it flows with the mass, it flows as smoothly as St. Francis de Sales uh, following the passion, follows the same idea of that, but it's so powerful. I I love praying and, and hearing the mass according to that method, and I've worn out the pages in that book. So it's going to be an awesome series, and they're, they're not expensive either. I think I got this one. It's cheapy. This one is not leather. It's just paper cover, right? But it was it was only like six bucks. So, you know, I didn't spend a fortune for it and got it at my local bookstore. It's from the bookstore that Tim talked about. And but it's worth every penny and a billion pennies more. It is maybe not a billion. If that's the case, you might yeah. really want to get a leather one. <laughs> but you know what I mean, though? It's it's invaluable. It's, it's yeah, extremely it's so fantastic. I, yeah, I understand there's leather bound ones out there, too. That I guess that would be better, a better binding because the one from O'Keefe is uh, or Keefe is yeah, uh, Keefe. Yeah. his books are. Uh... Amazing. Like, I mean, yeah. the stuff that he writes about, you know, I was just looking actually on the Angeles Press uh, publisher while we were talking about this, and they have uh, one of his books, and it's from Seminary Press, St. Pius V. Is that from the SSPV? No. Uh, or is that a different one? I don't know. But don't yeah, know, you, yeah. Got, you just got to find a publisher that's going to get one, you know? You know, that's, that's something... Um, that uh, is actually an interesting moneymaker for people. If you ever want to find, this is just a total side thing. 
if you ever want to find old Catholic books that nobody's printing uh, or in the public domain, take your time and learn how to use uh, KDP or something like that and get them out there because people will buy them and um, they're in the public domain and people want them. And that's these old Father Lassance ones are an example of that. People are trying to find them and it's hard to find. Yeah, I think it should definitely be reprinted with a better <laughs> binding. Yeah, uh, for sure. So the um, indulgence for the month of November is typically from November 1 to number 8 for the faithful who devoutly visit a cemetery and pray, if only mentally, for the departed. So the that's a plenary indulgence for the souls in purgatory. And that goes under the normal conditions. You have to uh, go to Holy Communion the same day. You have to pray for the intentions of the Holy Father. And the intentions of the Holy Father, if you didn't know, the intentions of the Holy Father are always, by means of his office, to preach the gospel and upread heresy. So whatever other, some people think are concerned about the intentions of Pope Francis. Well, the intentions of Pope Francis, if he is the Pope, in fact, which I don't doubt that, but uh, just, just so you know. <laughs> You're gaslighting. <laughs> no, no. I, I mean, if you if you gain the office of the Pope, you have the intentions by means of the office. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Some people, some people, you know, freak out about getting a, you know, <laughs> plenty of indulgence. Get the indulgence for the poor souls in purgatory, mm -hmm. and then yeah. you you can receive confession within twenty days before or after that day because that that was that was a decree a couple of years ago in the year of mercy where they extended the the confession requirement so that you don't have to go to confession the same day. It's within twenty days, basically. So. All you need to do is go to confession basically in the month of November sometime and within 20 days visit the cemetery, go to Holy Communion that day, <laughs> pray for the faith of the departed, pray for the intentions of the Holy Father and gain a player indulgence to help or our you, brethren in purgatory. Or you can follow Pope on a Plane Twitter account and get all of the updates every day on the intentions. No, it's not a real thing. I was just, I was just <laughs> I'm lying. Uh, really, is it we're at the point in reality where it's like, it's like, is he serious right now? Like, is that did he did the Holy Father really do that? It's like maybe actually. I don't just know. recycle and you're good. <laughs> so oh. let, let's let's talk about the saints. Uh, th this yeah, is yeah. this is something that uh, I remember when I was first converting to Eastern Orthodoxy, actually, before I became Catholic, <clears throat> was that my Eastern Orthodox priest said the fact that there are saints and there's a communion of saints we have in the apostles creed even protestants some protestants say the apostles creed i believe in the holy the holy spirit the holy catholic church the communion of saints i believe in the communion of saints why is the communion of saints so important and i remember my eastern orthodox priest saying that this is a practical application of the fact that death has been conquered hmm. death has been conquered by jesus christ in the resurrection, cross and resurrection. So therefore, the communion of saints, which we have with living saints, does not end at death. And this is just a practical application of that. In the Protestant world, uh, most Protestants, that is, uh, they're kind of living like death has not been conquered. Yeah. They don't have any, any real communion with the saints after death. Which is a great tragedy. I think, thinking about my life without the saints is 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 a lonely a lonely life without the conquering of death. You know what the um, what did it for me? Thinking about saints one time, uh, I was teaching 
I was teaching students. This was like my second year teaching years ago or something. And um, I was teaching them about uh, plenitude, like the plenitude of God's creation. I don't know how it came up, but I drew a diagram on the board and I sort of uh, very Dante-esque in the sense of there was like, it was almost like a triangle going up towards God and a triangle underneath because I was showing how hell held layers and things. And I said, well, you know, hell has layers of this, that, and other thing, but creation itself is layered insofar as there's a plenitude, like nothing's empty. There's this idea, we have this idea in modern, you know, moral therapeutic deism society we live in, that there's just sort of the watchmaker, clockmaker God or whatever, and then everything else just sort of, you know, it does. And then space is this dark matter. How much of a joke is that, by the way? All these yeah. guys would be like, we know everything about space. 95% of it's dark matter. What is that? We don't know. Um, yeah. But um but there's this plenitude, and actually, reading, I'm reading, I'm rereading C.S. Lewis's Space Trilogy, which is one of my favorite uh, fictions. I'm rereading it right now because I, I hadn't read it in years, and I loved it so much. And actually, he reflects that in there. Um, I don't know if it's accurate for space, but the, it was a, it was an, a, an allegory. And when he's traveling in space, um, as he gets higher and higher and higher away from the Earth, he, the, the, the author remark or the character sort of remarks how things actually become, in a way more hyper real and more spiritual because the idea is the heavens and you know it makes sense so um with uh, as far as the saints i realized that um, just like there's choirs of angels and there's like a plenitude of of their influence in our lives and the different jobs that they have and sort of from the lower to the higher there was something about that with the saints um where it's it's like in a sense it's like if as if god's creation is bursting and the saints reflect that um Insofar as, you know, we have like best friends that we get to have who are in heaven. And just like a father would want his children to have good friends, God the Father wants his children to have lots of good friends. And uh, he even sort of handpicks them <laughs> so we can have the best friends possible. And also, they're very unique. You know, um, another thing that hit me was reading um in the gospel i can't remember which one but basically it's obvious that saint john is basically resting near jesus's heart and um i don't know if we can say this as like a teaching or something but it seemed to me that john in a sense was like his favorite but not in the sense where he's like excluding other ones but in, but in the sense that you know christ had a bestie <laughs> if that makes yeah. sense and and that but but that, that that makes total sense though because in his human nature like he would have someone he's closest with because we all have people we're closest with and um anyway that that sort of thing really made the saints make sense to me because i thought well of course we're going to find these saints that for us are closest with us and we get to know them the way that only you get to know someone you're best friends with i think the bible to me even growing up it it kind of primed me for this that <laughs> As even as a Protestant, I understood the idea of having 70, right? That your your average life or an average person um, might know the name of and know family details and stuff and keep in somewhat regular context with like 70 people. And then you've got 12 people that are kind of your more core group. And then you've got your Peter, James, and John. And then you have the one that even when they're talking will say, I'm his best friend. It kind of like John does when he says the one that Jesus loved, <laughs> right? Like, so he kind of talks about himself as the bestie, right? They're, they're best, best friends forever club. And so, but it made sense to me. And I, we were actually just talking to the kids yesterday about this, you know, and, and I gave an example of someone I talked to a friend of mine. Uh, we love them very dearly and, but they very much do not believe 
in the community of the saints in the way that we understand it. And just real quick, it's funny, Tim, you said, you know, Protestant, some Protestant churches still say the creed and stuff. There was one, I, I went to a wedding in one, I opened up their hymnal and they have at the beginning, their creedal, their reformed church, right? Christian reform. So they, they say the creed and they've got a whole bunch of them. There were more asterisks <laughs> with, with like explanations of the end, what we mean by this. And it, it was like, it was all the key things. Like just basically we're not Catholic guys, I promise. But, but the, um, we were telling the kids, you know, we said that this conversation we had, so our friend said, why, so why do you pray to dead people? And I said, you believe in soul sleep? Like you think they're dead? And she's like, well, yeah, they died. And I'm like, so they're not in heaven or anything. Like you don't believe anyone's in heaven right now. And she's like, well, I mean, well, no, <laughs> you know, there's people in heaven. And I said, so you're like a Kantian person. Like you think there's like this crazy divide between heaven and the earth and that there's, it's this inseparable thing. And she's like, what do you mean? And she didn't understand the Kantian part, right? And I, but then I said, well, I said, how is it then that even, even in your Bible that you've got, I said, how is it that the saints present and offer our prayers to God like incense? How is that even possible? How did they even get them? I said, in what, what role would the, what, what is that? Why would they be the ones to present my prayers? Wouldn't God be like, you're kind of a mediator. You're getting in the way, right? Like, like there's, there's, you're, you're not understanding your role. You need to back off and stop prying in, you know? And I said, so why, how did they get those prayers to even offer them at all? And it was a disturbing thing for this individual, like not having processed some of these ideas that sometimes, you know, because of the, the way where we are in the timeline of human history, we find ourselves infected by ideas extraordinarily foreign to the faith, especially this divide between what's up in heaven and what can be known of God and what's known among the peoples and, and how that affects us. And once I recognized that it opened up something beautiful, a lot like, I like how Kennedy described it, that it's bursting. Right. And that's how I feel now. I feel, you know, just in everyday life, um, the way that I speak to them is not just that they're alive, but that they actually care. And that they're and that in a way in a way they're present, made present by an awareness back and forth of the the Holy Ghost provides. Um, and it's been it's been a powerful thing in my life. Yes, yeah, so, uh Saint Martin says, uh, quoting Luke 2038, which is when the Sadducees question our Lord about the resurrection, and our Lord says, Have you not read? Which is it's just like a a diss have you not read because yeah. of course they've read have you not read that it says that i am the god of abraham isaac and jacob and then he adds he is not the god of the dead but of the living and so he's making reference to abraham isaac and jacob I and mean, we have the transfiguration where apparently dead people but actually they're not dead come to our lord and appear to him elijah and moses and they talk to him and so if we are truly in Christ, truly in Christ, there is a communion with those who have already died in the flesh, but live unto God. Yeah, that's, that's, um, I have a theory, it's probably not my theory, but it's something I thought of. Um, you know, the devil can't extinguish truth ultimately, you know, there's many analogies for this in the gospel, but but just from a commonsensical perspective, you can't he can't destroy that which is true because it's not his 
he doesn't have the wherewithal to do so, but he can obfuscate it. You know, he can, he can play his tricks. And um, one of the things I find is uh, we see uh, truths that Catholics forget about or modern, let's say modern Catholics forget about. Uh, and he hides them in all these different <clears throat> groups, you know? So one of the things, for example, like uh, in Orthodoxy, obviously they have tradition. Okay. I mean, that's the whole thing is, is very much about tradition. That's a really good thing, but um, so, but it's over there, you know, a lot of Catholics mm -hmm. who are, who are, let's say, and I'm not using this as a pejorative, but like a, a modern sort of conservative Catholic who's not liturgically interested in much, but you know, that's like, that's their thing. It's this old thing, but they're not really in communion. So like, that's, that's fine, but like, they haven't like moved with the, the living magisterium. That's kind of how people view it, you know, but on the other hand, uh, with biblical literalism, you know, we have these fundamentalists so-called who will call themselves biblical literalists, but they're not. They actually, they are much more uh, faithful to the, the historicity of the Bible, which is great, but they're not biblical literalists at all because they don't have the Eucharist or the priesthood or, you know, so many, there's yeah, so many yeah. things that are literally in the Bible that they don't have, but it's obfuscated. And then you have, you know, like the Mennonites and the Amish who, um, let's be honest, they live in a very, uh, a very successful quirky but successful um, instantiation of uh, what we would call Catholic social teaching in a sense. Um, you know, obviously some of it's arbitrary to the, to the, to the, to the dress and things like that. Um, but a lot of it's very well thought through with the technological stuff, the morals, um, the, the, the financial things. They're very, very moral and very good people. And we can learn a lot from that. But we look at it, we're like, oh, I don't want to be, people say, well, I don't want to be Catholic Amish. And I'm like, actually, um, you know, uh, there would be not living like if you ever read um, uh, Lord of the World, Father Hugh Benson's book. Yes, yeah. He actually has in there uh, one of the, the great Pope just before in the book, spoiler, the Pope's killed or whatever. There's an explosion in Rome. But um, he's got this in like the 20 somethings. This is like in the future. And the Pope basically says modernity is is a crapshoot. So we're done with it. And basically, like, makes everyone in Rome, it's like these last, like, six million Catholics on Earth, mm -hmm. and they live like the 1800s. Because yeah. it's just like, there's just the, the technology just makes it, it's just too much. It's just like Pandora's box has been opened. We just can't do it. We can't be moral. Cut our losses. Be You know, this is whatever. Um, so anyway, there's lots of wisdom in all these different places. Um, and we've, and one of the other things that Protestants are so insistent on um, is fellowship. Uh, because it's almost as if they're... Um, uh, compensating. They don't have a fellowship with the saints, so um, they have to intensify the fellowship with their brothers at their church, which is a good thing. But again, it's like this placeholder that reflects something that they're missing. And um, I think that if we look at all these different denominations and groups, we see things that we miss out on as Catholics and assume it's for them. But they also intensify it because it's all they have, if that makes sense. Yeah, it was a, it was a powerful moment for me when I was a Protestant, actually, because I was I was an undergraduate studying history and classics, and I was reading about people like Eusebius's church history and the fathers of the church and whatnot. And then I attended the Easter vigil that was uh, for a friend who was converting to Catholicism, and I heard the litany of the saints. And I was so struck by realizing that all these people, I just been reading about these people, but the Catholics, have a real communion with these people. Wow. I, I was struck by that. Uh, I've got... Uh, I was going to say real quick, 
I don't think anyone who's familiar with what I do would be surprised that I have a 1959 edition, the third edition of the Knox Bible. Uh, <laughs> it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, but anyway, I wanted to just throw that this out there, that Bible verse I was talking about, Apocalypse 5, 7, and 8. Uh, it says, he now came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he disclosed it, the four living figures and the 24 elders fell down in the Lamb's presence. Each bore a harp and they had gold bowl, golden bowls full of incense, the prayers of the saints. And you think, and, and there's other translations to the Douay and stuff that talk about it and, and the, the placement even of the comma. <laughs> and, I, and I love it. I love the brilliance of this and say, yes, the prayers of the saints. That's they are offering yeah. these bowls of incense. How did they get the prayers of the saints? Who gave them the prayers of the saints? What authority do they have to even have their fingers on those prayers? How are they privy? And, you know, and how does it work like that? And it just seems awfully darn Catholic. <laughs> like all of it does. Once you start looking at it, you're like, oh, yeah, that's really catholic -y. <laughs> What's going on with that? You know, maybe the maybe John the Revelator was eating mushrooms. You know, there's people start freaking out about it because they don't know how to handle things like this. And I think one book that does, if I can, if I can say this, uh, is Scott Hahn, right? His book on uh, the liturgy. And I, I wish, I wish I remember the exact name of it right yeah, now. Isn't it Wedding Feast of the Lamb? Isn't that it? It, it might be Wedding Feast of the Lamb. Yeah, it's lamb talking supper, about the Lamb the, Supper. The Lamb Supper. Yes, okay. the Lamb yeah, Supper. I should know this. He he gave me that book. <laughs> so he, he gave it to me, but he didn't sign it. I still he still needs to sign some of these books that I own. Um, but anyway, so the thing is, is that uh in that in that book, he does a, a fantastic job of breaking down um just how robustly Catholic uh the the book of Revelation is in particular, right? And some of these uh the way that the liturgy works and the way that this is a grand liturgy and stuff. Just, just absolutely brilliant. And I think that once I started seeing that, and it was weird. I, I already had some inklings, I feel. I don't know how this happened. But even things like, you know, when I would pray, I, I, it was easy for me to imagine, to use almost kind of an Ignatian idea of placing myself in that moment and imagining myself in moments. I would use things like candles. I would use things like incense to me because I, I was reading the Bible regularly and I was seeing these things all the time. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that seems like when people are praying, there's a lot of that going on over there. And so to me, it made sense. And as time went by, you know, I, I really began wondering about, it. in fact, speaking of Scott Hahn, um, the, I called him the last day that I went to a Protestant church, right? My last time. And I'd already talked to him a couple of times and, and said like, Hey, I'm at, I'm at a place in my life where I don't know if I can even, I don't, I think I'm done. And I remember I went, and back to this church. And it was one of those churches that, you know, it's kind of like the golden brick road to Rome, kind of where they have, you know, they're, they're baptizing babies, but they're in a denomination that thinks that you shouldn't, but they're baptizing babies. Uh, they believe in church authority. So they say, right. Um, they are doing the creed. They're doing communion every week. Okay. They're starting to encourage, you saw that a lot with the emergent church. This started happening in oh, yeah. early, yep, in early 2000s, yep, emergent church. And so, but I remember when they were doing the creed, they got to that part of the communion of the saints. And I actually stepped out because I didn't feel that I was one with them anymore on this. And I remember I stepped out and I, I'm out in the, the narthex and I'm looking through the door into the sanctuary area, what they call the sanctuary. And I'm, I'm listening to them say this. And I thought to myself, 
I don't even know how many people in that group actually believe that, or if they think, or if they're closer, in fact, to an Anabaptist understanding of ecclesiology that says that the church is just simply the person next to him right now. And that in a way it's, it's awfully secular. It's, it's awfully, it's like an eminent frame of an atheistic world that says, you know what? I, I opened my eyes to this universe. I didn't ask to be born. I'll close it, but I'm going to do my best while I'm here and just live next to the person I'm next to. And I'm going to give this thing meaning because once this is gone, whatever is out there is no longer connected to what's inside here. And I said, I reject that. I'm done. And I said, I called him up. I was weeping. And I said, I'm going home to Rome, Scott. <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm going home. And so, and that was when the next day I, I published a piece saying it was official. Boom. I, 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 it makes me think of uh, Hebrews 12, 22 as well, which is where St. Paul says, you are come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the company of many thousands of angels to the church of the firstborn who are written in the heavens and to God, the judge of all and the spirits of the just men made perfect. So uh, uh, yeah, like, like Kennedy said, literally in the Bible. So uh, I, we got 10 minutes left. I wanted to ask each of you who are your favorite saints that you hope are saints that will one day be canonized. They're not Maybe, saints yet. Not saints yet. Not canonized saints, but, Maybe saints you maybe privately uh, believe they're saints, or maybe you privately are devoted to them. Um, someone you hope is canonized in the future. One, two, or three people. Kennedy, besides Archbishop Lefebvre. Lots of it's obvious. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not private. It's pictures on our wall, and uh, and, the, and we pray for his intercession. We, we, pray, we pray for the intercession of like 15 saints at the end of every rosary, kind of like ones that are organic to our family. But he's one of them. Um, yep. Archbishop Lefebvre is a big one. Um, and as you said in our, our telegram chat, Tim, you were, you're surprised, delightfully surprised at how moderate he is. Um, that's one of the things that if I may, I have to get on my SSPX soapbox. Cause it's like, a, it's like a requirement for the show. It's in my contract. Um, <laughs> no, but just like one of the things I've been, I've loved about being around the society priest in the last year, two years, to slow the spread. <laughs> it's almost two years to slow the spread now. Yeah. Um, is actually, you know, they keep the SSPS gets flack from everybody. They're either they're either too radical or they're not trad enough. Come Holy Week, it's like, why are you modernists? You're not using the oldest Holy Week. Um, and then uh, when it comes to the vaccine, it's like, why are you saying that this is not an isolated moral question and that there are potentials for grave reason that have been worked out by theologians for a really long time now? How dare you? It's a sin. You're going to hell if you even talk about it. Um, they're very measured. Like I know that, like obviously, every priest can be whatever, but they're very measured. And I was talking to Father Murr who was very close personal friends with Cardinal Gagnon, who did the visitation, the papal visitation of the Society Seminary. And he said it should be that he said it should be, and this was directly to Father Mer, his personal friend. And he said, it should be the model for every seminary on earth. Um, anyway, the measuredness is something that from Lefebvre that I actually quite appreciate. Um, but, you know, again, the say days will go, do you know that he said the uh, Vatican II recommendation mass? Totally not a trad. And he's like, yeah, he did for like two years. He said the sort of 65-ish missile kind of nether, you know, like nebulous, didn't know what mass to do and did the recommendations and was kind of like, eh, I did it for two years and just kind of, it's not very good. I don't know, which probably shouldn't do this. It seems like people are leaving the church. Um, so I, one of the things about Lefebvre that I find so important is measured, being measured and really taking your time to make the right decision 
And in his case, with the very controversial moment, was literally just before he died. He's like, well, I, time, no time like the present. Another saint that I really love is St. Augustine, um, but I guess he's already canonized. As far as ones that aren't, um, probably Dietrich von Hildebrand. I don't know. I just, he's, uh, his, he's such a, his way of thinking, I think, I think he's everything in, I, I try to illuminate this properly. From an intellectual perspective, I think he's what people want John Paul II to be. So he's got that personalist, very phenomenal. He's got, he has a way of using the modern philosophical language, but doesn't get as close, in my opinion, or doesn't get too close to modern philosophical ambiguity. I think that's the way I'll say it. And he's able to use that language in that way. I hope one day that um, he'll be canonized. And the last one is G.K. Chesterton. Uh, you know, he's just, he's the best <laughs> for a million different yeah, reasons. Yeah, that's all you got to say, really. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That's well, I, I'm surprised that you put Dietrich von Hildebrand. I didn't know how much of you, how much that you've read from Dietrich von Hildebrand. I, I certainly agree with you completely. And I'll even say this. Uh, I, I believe that Dietrich von Hildebrand is at least one of the doctors of the church of the 20th century. Absolutely. He fought communism. He fought Nazism. He fought liberalism. He fought the spirit of Vatican II. He just basically fought everything that there was to fight with all cylinders firing while also producing a massive body of his own positive theology. So it wasn't just like saying this is wrong. He was he, he developed a massive amount of positive theology. And, and this is to me, this is the thing that that is most powerful for me in reading his writings is that reading his philosophy actually helps me pray more. Hmm. It's like a, it's like a spiritual, even though it's, it's kind of, it's very philosophical, but it's the type of philosophy where he's really doing philosophy as a, uh, a true philosopher who is a true philosopher is someone who loves wisdom and he loves wisdom because he's in contact with God and he's in united with God and he's contemplating God and God's truth. And that's the type of philosophy that really, I think, inspires prayer. Uh, but I'll also second, uh, I'll also add in uh, Regi Reginald Gu Gary Goulagrange, for sure. Definitely needs to be another doctor of the church of the 20th century. Jeremiah, what about you? Yeah, well, I was going to say Chesterton, but I'll say the second half of Chester Belloc, huh. uh, Hillary Belloc. Uh, I actually just celebrated the Four Men Feast. We do it once a year in honor of the great Hilary Belloc and his book, The Four Men. If you have not read it, I strongly implore you to do so and to create a four men feast of your own where you bless the beer and sing riotous songs that are amazing, but written by him in the book. And you eat bread and bacon and eggs and cheese and lots of beer and bunches of tobacco. And we do it every year. And we, we talk about love and life and faith and debate. And it is awesome. Uh, so Belloc and of course, Ronald Knox, right? Monsignor mm. Ronald Knox, huge impact on my life. Leo the Thirteenth. Uh, I, I, I'm very, I'm very frustrated. <laughs> I'm not just frustrated, and I'm not just flustered. I'm, I'm so much of both. I've made it one. I am frustrated over this. I'm like, why? I, I, I know people give reasons as to why, uh, but I will go out on a limb here, and I will say. Um, not not so much that I wish this person would become a saint, but in fact that they are, but they, they will never be recognized as such, but I'll see this person in heaven. And this is risky business, so I'm going to say, Madame Guyon. And I say that she's she's the, the 
um, heresiarch, right, of of the quietists, the Catholic quietists, um, and around with Fenelon and all them uh, scampering around parts of Europe talking about the prayer of quiet and stuff like that during a time where it was new, right? It was a lot of things, you know, Francis de Sales, she was a, a, a huge fan of the French school. She quoted him regularly. She loathed the Protestants. She loathed the Jansenists. She believed herself to be a Catholic, but she caused all sorts of trouble. And eventually at the end of her life, subjected herself to the condemnation of propositions. And the verdict was that she needed to remain in silence, that maybe for the first time in her life, the quietest needed to actually shut her mouth. And <laughs> she did. And she did. And she did not. She didn't do what she used to do before. No more conferences. And I know what that feels like to do the no more conferences, no more debates, no more anything. I know. And she did it for years of her life. And she died in that way. And the only reason I think it's up for debate now is because people did not do with her works as they did with other saints that they had people who went through and found portions that said, ah, this is, we can't explain this, but it might be risky. And so we're going to maybe wipe that, right? Like they, we don't need that, right? It's, it's unnecessary. We understand the meaning of this. Uh, I believe that Knox even says that they did that with some of St. Francis de Sales. So it's one of those things where we don't have that luxury with her because the Protestants got their muddy paws on them and decided to peddle them all over the place with the inclusion of King James Bible versions in it, which has led to enormous confusion uh, because she doesn't sound like any other Protestant on the planet because she wasn't one. And so I hope that in that those years of silence hmm. that she made good with God. And that I see her on the other side and uh, and pray with her. Excellent. Wonderful. Well, I wanted to end the show by talking about Christ the King. We didn't have uh, didn't spend any time on Jesus is King. But I wanted to emphasize for everyone, if you have not done the enthronement of the Sacred Heart as king of your family, That's the best. that is a great devotion to venerate Jesus as king. Jesus is king right now. He's on the throne. And today, especially, we, we celebrate the church triumphant, that Jesus is king and he is reigning through his saints in, in heaven and on earth and in purgatory. He's reigning. Jesus is king. So the enthronement of the Sacred Heart is a great devotion, great family devotion to venerate Christ as king. So I, I put the link in the show notes if you want to follow that below to learn about that devotion. Um, it's a great way to, so you, you, you do an enthronement ceremony and then you can buy a, actually from Angelus Press, the one we got is the, uh, enthronement certificate, which is where it says that Jesus is King of our home. And then everybody in the family signs it and you put the date in there. You have the priest come and do it. And then you can commemorate it every year and you do devotions connected with that. Jesus is King. So that, that's a great way to yeah. do it. Last uh, thing I'll, I'll say good. something to set up next week. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned Ronald Knox um, saying that, you know, even with saints like St. Francis de Sales, sometimes you look at their work and they go, not really, you know, not really sure what this means. For our debate, or not debate, not, not having debate, I don't even like debating people, for our conversation next week on liberty versus liberalism, mm -hmm. um, there are things that uh, saints, popes, and so-and-so will say that have to do with the context of a time but don't necessarily make sense later on because they're not necessarily dogmatic. Uh, 
uh, for the whole thing, which is one of the things I'll discuss with with our topic. Um, and uh, one last thing I think that I wanted to say was everyone should read Mother of uh, the Godmother. Because one person I yes. forgot, I don't know, I, but, but Madre Pascalina, she yeah. made me, she made, her stories made me fall in love with Pope Pius XII. Yeah, she's awesome. Well, I, I didn't know yes. Pope Pius XII was so great. I, I I knew he was decent. And I, but again, one of the things that in traddom, we have a way of being a little bit unmeasured and they'll say, well, look, he had this one quote here. It's like, that was, that was used by Babunini and stuff. And I'm like, I, then I read about his life and I'm like, my goodness, this man was a superhero, you know, like Ed. And he was a pope one of the during during the lead up to the Second Vatican Council. Talk about the wolves closing in on him, you know. So I think he was magnificent. So I hope that he'll be Saint Pope Pius XII one day. Yeah, awesome, definitely. Yeah, I love that. I love that text, Godmother. It's like all trads need to read the Godmother because it's just such a powerful text. It's a wonderful spiritual work. And uh, give it to people Carter, who are. Right. I'm going to give it to my mother because she's Italian, lapsed Catholic. But like, it's just a beautiful story. Yeah, and right. and it's but it's I I think it's an apologetic work in a sense. Oh, it's yeah, it's a great yeah. Charles Murrow is doing great things with uh with prose. So shout out to our friend Father Charles Murr. Well, with that, let's uh, let's offer up an Our Father for this new week. It, it is still the uh, which week after Pentecost? Thirty? No, it's the twenty third week after Pentecost. Praise God. We are entering the final month of the year, the final month when we pray for the poor souls and we remember the last things. So let's offer a pater noster through the intercession of all the saints for the our, our, our fathers in purgatory and for all the church triumphant and for their honor and for the church militant. Praise God for the community of saints and Jesus Christ as king. In nomine Patris, et Fidi, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in cello et in terra. Panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis odie, et dimitti nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimittimus debitoribus nostris, et nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Amen. Nomine Patris, et Fidi, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Jesus is King.